James chapter number four, uh, and we'll continue our series on genuine Christianity, looking through the book of James to find the practical truths of living the Christian life. And it's, it's so important because uh, if we're not living in practicality, right, what we are learning in God's word, it will not have any kind of effect. Okay, it, risks, it just won't. It will just be head knowledge and something that's floating around there. But until we actually live it out, until we actually apply it into our lives, we, we won't see any kind of change or any difference between us and those that have no faith. Okay, and so that's why it's so important. If we're going to have a genuine, authentic, real faith, it's important that we have the practical aspect that we're living out daily the decisions that we're making that we are living out daily what God's word teaches in our lives so James chapter number four we've already gone through chapter one uh, and two and three we learn in chapter one that uh, our faith needs to be patient there's a perspective to our faith that we should have the perspective of God being in control the perspective of what our faith leads us to see when we look at our world, then we have in chapter two, the practice of our faith. And that that points to the fact that we ought to uh, be doers of God's word, not just hearers only. Chapter three, we talked about uh, the, the, the tongue, the power of our faith as we share that with others. And in chapter four, we've been looking at the passion of our faith, right? In, chapter, in verse one and two of chapter four, we, we, we learned that you can have a wrong passion if you're not careful. And James says, make sure you don't have a wrong passion in your life. Make sure you're not desiring something that you ought not to desire. Then he talks about having a worldly passion, making sure you're not loving and falling in love with this world, with the ideals of this world, with the uh, possessions and pleasures of this world. But, but we ought to put our eyes on something greater, on something that is much more eternal and not so temporal. And so the passion of our faith leads us away from the world. It leads us from wrong kinds of passions. And what we're going to learn today in verse number 12 is that the passion of our faith ought to lead us to love others. You see, a genuine faith will always have the characteristics of loving others. Always, always, always. Authentic Christianity always bears the fruit or displays itself in loving others. That's why it's so hard sometimes uh, when, when someone that calls himself a Christian does something uh, so contrary, right? Uh, whether that is uh, maybe uh, using foul language against somebody or, or being hateful towards someone, then you, you, you kind of look at it and they go, you know, the person being offended says, and you call yourself a Christian. And they have every right to say that because a Christian ought to, in the passion of their faith, love others. And when we don't do that, then we're, we're showing a lack of faith in our life. We're showing that really Christianity doesn't make that big of a difference. You, you do what you want to do. You live the way you want to live. You act the way you want to act. And, and really, the Bible teaches us that our faith doesn't give us the freedom to do that. Our faith gives us the freedom to actually be able to love one another. And so an authentic Christian will always speak kindly to others, will always show that love to others. 
uh, there was a lady by the name of uh, Mammy Adams who uh, she would always go to the post office, her local post office where she was, to go buy stamps. And uh, she just loved the uh, postal uh, workers. And I got the wrong uh, picture here. I, I put bank, but it's really a post office. Uh, but uh, she'd go to the post office. She loved the people that uh, she was um, dealing with there at the post office. And uh, they were always so kind and nice to her. Well, uh, one day she goes in and there's a really long line uh, that was there, you know, people mailing their packages and stuff. And, and she was way at the back and it was probably going to be about 30 to 40 minutes before she gets to the front to buy her stamps. And so one of the postal workers uh, uh, that was there uh, came to her. He was kind of new and, and he said, uh, Ma'am, if you'd like, you, can, you don't have to wait in line. You can actually go over here. We actually have a machine now that dispenses stamps. So you can just pay with your credit card or pay with cash, and, and they'll give you the stamps, and you don't have to uh, wait in line. And she said, no, no, I, I think I'll wait. And he said, are you sure you want to wait in line? Uh, because it's going to be about 30 to 40 minutes. She said, yes, I know. But she said, the machine will never ask me how I'm doing with my arthritis. She said, I like someone that just wants to talk to me and be kind to me. And, you know, it, there's something about kind words. There's something about being loving towards people that draws us to those people. Right? When someone's kind and loving towards us, we want to be around them. We want to talk to them. We want to say hi to them. We're, we're not trying to avoid them. We want to be in their company. And so uh, there's something to be said about that. And James addresses that when he's talking about the passion of our faith. The passion of our faith ought to lead us to love one another. So look what he says in James chapter 4 and look at verse number 11. Notice he says this. He says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law and art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy so who art thou that judges another? James simply is addressing this. The passion of your faith ought to lead you to love others. And how do we do that? Well, we're going to learn about that this morning. But before we jump into that, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless this time as we study his word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for bringing us here safely. Thank you for your word that is the truth that guides our life. It's the the beacon that we can follow. And I pray that this morning, as we look at this truth of loving others, I pray that you would help us to understand it. But more importantly, I pray that you would help us to live it out, to apply it in our lives. And so, uh, Father, I ask that in these next few moments, you would, by your spirit, uh, open the eyes of our understanding and help us to then apply and live out your word as we understand it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all throughout chapter number four, James has been using a, a type of method of teaching uh, as he shares these truths of really talking about the negative to kind of make us think about the positive, right? Uh, in, in, in verse number one, uh, he's talking about, hey, the negative of war and fighting and, and all these disagreements. And he said, we, we, where does that come from? You've got to avoid that, that kinds of things. And so he kind of focuses on the negative or talks about the negative, so we can kind of think about the positive side. How, how He's talking about what not to do. 
And as parents, we, we, we do this often, right? With, with, with children, we, we kind of tell them, don't do this so that they'll do something else. And, and you, you kind of use that method of teaching, looking at the negative so they can think about the positive and why the positive is good. And, and James has been using that kind of method as we've been going through chapter 4. And so when you get to verse number 11, he's sticking with that teaching method. He's, he's talking about, hey, this is what you should not do so that you can think about what you should do, what your faith ought to lead you to actually do. And so I want you to notice, first of all, in your notes this morning, that there is a statute that is given. All right, There's something here, a command that James starts with uh, as he shares with, uh, with us this uh, authentic Christian faith, this passion in our faith. He, he shares this command of not speaking evil one to another. Now, in the, in the Greek here, it is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not his opinion. He's not saying, as is a popular saying today, uh, can't we all just get along? That's not what he's saying. He's saying specifically, and as a matter of a command, speak not evil one against the another. This is a, a command that he gives, and we notice, first of all, that it's a rebuking command. Okay, it's a rebuking command. Uh, James makes it clear that we're not to be unkind to others. In fact, the word he uses there in the Greek is katalaleo. All right, katalaleo, and this is a, a word that could be translated in English as slander, right? Unkind words, something that's going to hurt the reputation of someone or the character of someone, uh, or just speaking in a general sense unkindly. Maybe what you're saying is true, but you're saying in a tone that's very unkind, unloving. And so James says, listen, you, you ought not to speak that way to others. Don't be speaking that way one to another. In fact, it reminds us a little bit of what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. It's in your notes. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, if we all can be honest with ourselves for just a moment, can we not admit that it's our tendency to speak unkind words to others? It's just human tendency. It's what the Bible would call our flesh, our old nature. When someone says something unkind to us, we want to respond with the same kind of unkindness. If uh, someone does something that we don't approve of or we don't like, it's our tendency to react and to just say something in malice and in bitterness. That's, that's just human tendency. That is the old nature working within us. And so our tendency is to speak unkindly. That's why James is saying, don't do that. <laughs> don't let the passion of your flesh control you more than the passion of your faith. Let your faith lead you to speak loving towards others to not speak unkind towards others. It's a rebuking command, something that tells you and me, don't be this way. Don't be slanderous towards people. 
But I don't like the way they said that. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they act or what they're standing for. Okay. You can be and disagree with someone without being disagreeable. Right? Um, there are a lot of politicians, especially that love the color blue, that I don't agree with. But yet, though I don't agree with their politics, does not give me a right to speak unkindly of them and to them. It doesn't give us as people of faith a right to just disparage them either, to slander them. You can, you can state why you're against a position without being hateful towards the person. Uh, in Christian terminology, we would say this. We would say you ought to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Right? You, you, you can maybe disagree with what they stand and where they stand, but you don't have to be ugly in the way you do it. So James is giving this command, speak not evil once one against another. It's a rebuking command, but notice also it's a remindful command. Uh, notice in, 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 in your verse there in, in, in your Bible, it probably has between the last word of that command, one another, a comma. There's a pause, and then he says, brethren. I love that. I love that James wants to remind everybody that he's talking to, your brothers, your family. He's not just talking about males here, just you know, brothers, but brothers and sisters. In other words, your family. So don't speak evil one against another. Now, you shouldn't do that to anybody, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. But he says, but especially, he says, I've been seeing it in us as Christians. He said, don't speak evil once again, one against another, brethren. Don't forget that that person that you want to speak unkindly to at church is someone you're going to be spending eternity with. Okay? And with God's sense of humor, he might just make him your neighbor up in heaven, okay? No, just the fact of the matter is, is that, hey, we are all saved by the grace of God. We are all in that because, uh, not because we're, one is better than the other, has better character than the other. No, no, no. The grace of God uh, has made us who we are. And in that, we all are the same fighting against those tendencies to speak against one another. And that's why James says, don't speak against one another. And remember, remember, we're all in that same family. That's why I love in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, I put this in your notes, 1 Peter chapter 2 Peter says the same thing. He's talking to Christians. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, there it is again, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Listen, when you have the grace of God in you, that kind of faith leads you to love others. It leads you away from speaking evil or slanderous towards people and about people. And, and it leads you to remember, hey, we, we are all in this family. So we find that though the human tendency is to speak slanderous of others, that it's shameful to forget that, hey, we are all part of that same family. One of the things that takes away unity from any church 
is this thing right here, slander. This thing called gossip. This thing of talking and speaking evil of one another. Listen, I'm telling you right now, uh, the, 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 the color of lights, the color of chairs, the size of the building never has separated or taken away the unity of a church. Every time unity, if you find in any church a disunity, you'll find that there's because there's slander and there's gossip. That breaks up the unity of any church. Not the external things, but rather the attitude that we have one towards another. And that's why James is saying, listen, speak not evil one against another, brethren. I could almost hear him say it like that, brethren. Come on, we're in the same family here. We're on the same team. The way you deal with differences isn't by speaking slanderous of someone else. That's not the way you deal with it. That's not what your faith is leading you to do. And if you think that's what your faith is leading you to do, then you don't have a genuine faith. You don't have an authentic faith. You have the form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof. So it's important to understand in this passage, first you see that, that command that is given, a rebuking command, a remindful command. But then I want you to notice the slanderer's destructive work. What happens? Why should we avoid this? Why follow this command? Notice what he's, he answers his own uh, command there by this. He says, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. Now, the slanderer's destructive work is explained here by James. He says, let me tell you why this is terrible. Yes, it, 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 we're, it's terrible because we're brothers. We're all in the same family, okay? It's, it's terrible because of that, but notice something that is very important. Notice the destruction that it brings. You say, well, what destruct, destruction does it bring? What, what is it that really makes this such a terrible thing, such a serious kind of, of sin, or a serious thing to avoid? Well, he says, first of all, it's destructive because it disregards God's law. He says, when you do that, when you start speaking slanderous about people, when you speak evil one of another and one to another, then what happens is you begin to speak evil of the law. You begin to be a judge of the law. Now, to speak evil of the law, what he's talking about is disregarding God's law. In other words, what you're saying is it really doesn't matter what God has said. Now, something you've got to remember here. James is talking about a law that everybody knows. And listen, you didn't even have to be Jewish to know this law. You don't even have to be a Bible scholar to know this law, right? Even in our society, well, we have what is known as the golden rule. Right? Treat others as you would have, want them to treat you, right? We, we know this. This is something that is, is pretty general. It's pretty common knowledge. And so James is, is not talking about something that none of us have ever heard of. He, we, we've known this, but, but Why? Why is it so important that we love one another, speak kindly one of another and one to another? Because when you don't, you're disregarding, first of all, the person that gave us that truth. Matthew chapter 22, it's in your notes, verse 37. A guy comes to Jesus, a lawyer, and he says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, you're a teacher of the law. You know the law 
better than I do. So you tell me, what is, what is the greatest commandment? And here's how he answers him. In verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So Jesus says, here are the, the greatest commandment, loving God, the second greatest, loving others. And then in the next verse, he said, all of the commandments of God hang on those two things. If you can love God, if your faith will lead you to love God and love others, then you'll see that you have a genuine faith. You'll have a genuine passion in that faith that you've been given. It'll be something that is authentic and something real. But when you begin to slander people, when you begin to use uh, unkind words and speak evil of one another, what you're saying is, I really don't care what God says about what's important. It's ignoring God's command. It's saying, I know a little bit more than God does. Yeah, yeah, God says to love one another, and, and God says that's the greatest commandment, but, I mean, are we going to take his word for it, really? To disregard God's law is what you're doing when you're speaking evil of others. You're just saying, I really don't care what he has commanded. So James says, that's, that's what happens, you speak evil of the law. That, that's why you don't speak evil against one another, because you're speaking evil of the law. And then, he says, and then you become a judge of your brother. So not only do you disregard God's law, you say, I really don't care what God says, but then you also condemn God's law. Now you say, yes, not only do I not care what God says, but in what God says, eh, it's not the truth. In other words, eh, God lies. I'm going to condemn what God is saying. That's what makes this so serious. Somebody say, oh, well, it was just in the moment, or I was just angry. Yeah, but understand that your anger has taken you to the point where you disregard what God says. You're not caring what God says. You're not taking into account. And on top of that, you're condemning as if God was saying some lie. As if God was saying something that was horrible and wrong and despicable. I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying that my brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so at church is this and this and this. I'm just saying that. No, 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 that's not what you're doing. You're speaking evil of the law. That means you're disregarding the law. And you're condemning the law and you're saying the fact that it even exists is ridiculous. So we find here, as James is talking about passion of our faith, he says, that ought to lead you to love others, not speak evil against them. Because anytime you slander and gossip and speak unkind to others, you're disregarding God's law. You're condemning what God has said. And let me tell you something, if that's not getting your attention, I don't know what will. Because that's serious. In other words, God takes it personally. I don't know if this has happened to you. I, I know we have a lot of young families here, and, and with, uh, with even in, in our generation, even when I was growing up, it was more video games like Nintendo with a TV, but now it's, it's uh, phones and, and, and iPads, and, and my, my, my boys love the, uh, the game Roblox, and they'll, they'll get there, and they'll, they, they'll play on that thing for hours. And, 
And there'll be times where they're playing right there in the living room, and I'll ask them to do something, and they don't even look up. That ever happened to you, parents? I don't really feel good about that. I don't go, oh, they're ignoring me totally. Oh, that's great. And walk out. Right? Normally, I, I raise my voice just a little bit higher. Boys, I'm talking. Why dad? Why dad? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Nobody wants to be ignored and disregarded. Nobody wants to be taking what I'm saying. I don't want my kids to look at it and go, ah, dad, you're old. You don't know. And yet, when we slander and speak evil one of another, that's what we're doing to God. God takes it personally, just like we would take it personally if our kids did that. He takes it personally. And so James says, an authentic faith leads you to love one another. You'll follow this command because not following it, this is what we're saying. This is the destructive work that you're actually doing. And then let me end in verse number 12 with the second half of 11 and in verse number 12, you see the slanderer's character. After saying that, that you disregard and you condemn, look what he says in that last part. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. After sharing what makes slander so destructive and gossip and speaking evil of one another, after saying why it's so destructive, he points out, look at the character of the person that does that. He says, first of all, they're dishonest. They're dishonest. Because when they start judging the way they are and saying what they're doing, saying, they stop doing anything that would be obedience to God. In other words, you can't ignore what God says and do what God says. You can't. That's their total opposite. So if you're doing what God says, then you're probably loving one another. When you're not doing that, when you're speaking unkind one to another, you're disregarding what God says, and you're just being dishonest. You're no longer do, being a doer of God's will, but one that is condemning what God has said. And this makes it so destructive. James says, don't be that person. Don't be dishonest. Romans chapter 2 and verse 13, there in your notes, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. He's saying, look, faith ought to lead somewhere and do something. And anytime you're speaking wrong, anytime that you're going and, and, and doing that, you're being destructive and you're dishonest. That describes the character. We become liars when we pretend to be something that we are not. We can quote the Bible and talk about what it says, yet at the same time we're disregarding. He says, that's the person that judges others. Oh, I'm judging him by, by, by what the Bible says. You're not doing it kindly. You're not doing it the way Christ taught us to do it. Brethren, it's, it's a mark on our character. Listen, our faith should be molding our character to be more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit, what, what His job is, is that He indwells us, 
And he begins to conform us more and more each day into the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so we ought to be more in our attitude, Christ-like. And more in our words, Christ-like. More in our actions, Christ-like. Because that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit of God does. It begins to mold us this way. So anytime that we start speaking in a way that we ought not to speak, then you can rest assured that's not your faith working in you. It's not. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of genuineness. It's a lack of authenticity. You're just being dishonest. So, James says, so if you're judging others, you're not a doer of the law. It's not what you're doing. Then he says, not only is that character the characteristic of being dishonest, but it's also hypocritical. It's hypocritical. Notice what he says in verse number 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Kind of, we, we, we kind of say this in, in, in our American culture. We say, uh, I know there's a God and I'm not him. Right? That sounds great and it's good. You know? There is. There is one lawgiver and you ain't him. So quit judging everybody like you are God. That's what James is saying. Listen, there is someone that says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That wasn't given because people were in a, in, in a home one day going, man, what, what, what should we do today? What, 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 should we, what should be our life's purpose? Let, let's write down a, a purpose statement. Oh, love God the, uh, with all your heart, soul, and mind. That didn't come from man's mind. That came from the mind of God. We would never have thought of that. We would never have created something like that. Because we're not the lawgivers. There's one lawgiver, that's God. You and I are not him. But when we begin to judge others and speak slanderously of others, we're taking God's place and saying, look, I don't care what you say, I say this. You know what you're saying to do, God, that's way off. Here's what we should do. And James says, but you're not the lawgiver. There's only one lawgiver, it's not you. So not only do you make yourself dishonest, you make yourself a hypocrite. Someone that says one thing and does another. One who does not recognize God in any way, yet calls himself, oh, I'm a follower of God. James says, no. No, it's not the way it works. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, Paul said it this way. He said, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art, that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same thing. So James simply saying this. Look at the character of that person. His work is destructive. His character is dishonest. And it's hypocritical. And so he ends that verse with a rhetorical question. So who do you think you are? If you're not God, then you're just dishonest. If you're not God, then you're just a hypocrite. Well, why? Because thou judgest another. Because you speak evil one of another. And James says, that's not authentic faith. That's not showing a passion for your faith. That's showing a passion for yourself. That shows a lot of passion for your ego and for your pride, but it doesn't show a passion of your faith. Because your faith will never lead you there. 
Never. So James simply says, then, who are you to do that? You see, this morning, the passion of our faith will always lead us to love others. It leads us to know what God has said and to follow him in what he has said. And when we don't, we're destructive. When we don't, we are dishonest. When we don't, our character is someone of a hypocrite. So here's the challenge this week. If I can give you this challenge, the challenge is have a passion in your faith that leads you to love others. A real passion will lead you to love others, forgive others, speak well of others. Even if they're not speaking kind to me, even if they're not speaking kind to you, even if they're not speaking good about you, it doesn't matter. You love them. Because the lawgiver told us to love God and to love others. And by the way, it's in that order. If you're really loving God, then you'll really love others. That's the key. So many times we don't love others because we're really not in love with God. We're not really in love with his word. We're not really in love with who he is and what he is. We, we just kind of, we, we like the sound of his. We like the appearance of it, but we're not really there. He says, listen, love God, love others. Passion of our faith ought to lead us to love others. This week, take time to speak kindly to others and of others. I'll tell you a good homework assignment. At some point this week, listen, t t tell your wife what you love about her. That will really surprise her, first of all, but it would be something good to do. No, no, listen, speak kindly of them. Why speak kindly of your husband. Say, here's what I love about you. Tell your tr children something you love about them. Let your faith lead you to love. That's the challenge this week. Speak not evil one against another, brethren. Let's not disregard the lawgiver, but let's love one another. Let's not live a life and a faith that's hypocritical and dishonest. No, let's be authentic and real in our faith this week. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. It's something that is so simple, yet so hard sometimes to live out and to apply. And so, Father, I pray that this morning as we, as we think about what James challenges us with in these two verses, I pray that we would, um, that we would apply it, that we would um, live it out, and that, Father, it would be something that would be authentic in our life the authenticity of truly following after you, of, of truly speaking kind to others and of others. So help us to apply that even this week in our life. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.